And welcome to our Flawed and Favored podcast. So Farron, I'm going to throw a surprise question at you. We had just talked about not surprising, or actually it's not a question. It's actually something to just share with you. (laughs) So first impressions, and I don't know if I have shared with you this with you in the past, but think the way I met Farron, I didn't know her very well. We went to the same church and there was a like date with eight thing that oh, came yeah. up. Yeah. And um, yeah. I remember my parents going to date with eight like 30 years ago. So it's <laughs> so crazy to be somebody that does those or has done those now. So <laughs> I had, I don't, I'd probably never really talked with you individually or met you um, personally at that point. But I'd seen your family at church, and I remember seeing your husband drop your son off, and he was just a little bit older than my daughter, and just a cutie in the church nursery, like chubby little legs, so adorable, and he was just happy if you just gave him Cheerios in his seat. Like I just remember being like, (laughs) he'd cry when you drop him off, but as long as you kept giving him a little Cheerio at a time, he was okay. Yeah, so hopefully he doesn't have any allergies now because of that, those early Cheerios. But one of the things though, on, I volunteered to host a date with eight at our house and Mm -hmm. you had signed up to do it. Like I had got your name that you were going to come and nobody else was going to come, but I really wanted to know you. And I really wanted to like, I wanted Mm -hmm. to be your friend. So I, I called up people and searched for people to come to, so that you would, (laughs) it wouldn't be canceled or you wouldn't think it's lame that you're just there Uh with us. So I went behind the scenes and got people and everybody was like, oh yeah, I want to get to know them too. And so uh, (laughs) everybody was there because they all wanted to know you better, but then it was the most fun. Like it it ended up being like a dozen people then because it was like, you know, never knew who was going to show up. And then a couple late bloomers came, but yes. So Farron is that kind of person. She's just mysterious enough. She's very reserved. You never know what she thinks. I am not mysterious. <laughs> reserved. It's like you don't don't always know what, what Farron thinks. But she is an amazing woman that I have really enjoyed getting to know better. And so I have a few burning questions that I've been thinking at numerous times. And I thought, oh, I have been wanting to ask Farron this. And so now is the perfect time to do it. So I get to Q&A with Farron this morning. So first, our two kid-related things. First of all, I know you guys are great with money yourselves and with teaching your kids about money and responsibility. So what are some of the key things for that? How would somebody get started if they've never worked on teaching their kids about money? How would you recommend somebody to start? I don't have all the answers, but I could just say what's worked for our family. And that is when they're old enough to start asking for things that you immediately tell them, okay, you can have these things, but they cost money and money comes from work. You don't just get this free for all of just give me, give me, give me. You need to be giving something as well. You need to be putting an effort to receive these things that you want, that it's just not entitled to you, that you can just have everything. And so what we did, and I put this on our blog, is that we just had the four mason jars and we are a family who believes in tithing. They don't understand tithing in their little brains because they were, I don't remember, like two and five or something like that. And so is first the God jar. You give a portion to God. 
And then there was a share jar, like, okay, this is how we're going to bless other people. And then there was a save jar for teaching them that delayed gratification that if you really want something, you're going to have to put off the temporary so that you can have what you want in the end. And so there's a save jar and then there's a spend jar for things that they want right now and so that they know like, oh, we can spend, but we do have a limit. And so we would just put these jars out and they were out in our living room on our table. So whenever they got birthday money or they worked in the yard or did something for somebody that they got paid for, like my son babysits our neighbor's cat when they leave. And so he always gets paid for that. And so we'll come back and we'll say, okay, you just split them up between the jars, however you want to. And they got this sense of, okay, this is not just about me. Whatever comes in, you have a conscious effort of making sure that you're giving to God, you're giving to others, you're delaying gratification, and then you do still have something in the spend jar that you can enjoy right now. And so we just got them in the habit of doing that every time. And mm-hmm. it just turned out well for us. So what does that look like now as your kids are older? Do they still do the jar? I mean, so that maybe 10 years has gone since you started with them? The jars are not cool anymore. That's what we learned. They're cool with our five-year-olds. They're more mature now. They're nine and 11. So now they have their own wallet, but they still have the same concept of they have to give, they have to share, they have to save. And I have one who just wants to give to everybody. Like Mm -hmm. I have $200 and I'm going to buy you this and I'm going to get this. And then has no concept of save. And then there's your middle kid. Yeah. That's, is that a middle kid thing? I have that too. Gosh. Yeah. They're all over the place. And then my oldest one, can be just a total tightwad with it. Mm-hmm. And I remember my middle child asked the oldest one when we're at the store, he's like, oh, I forgot my wallet at home. Can I please just use $2 and I'll give you $2, you know, when we get home. And my oldest is like, nope, that's called debt. We don't do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Just like, laughs> uh-huh. hilarious. Uh, so then that probably goes to my next question on how do you really engage your kids in chores? So my husband's the opposite of me. He likes things just to get done Mm -hmm. efficiently. You get it done quickly and with excellence and all that. I'm more of the, let's make this fun. Cooking, (laughs) let's make it fun. Traveling home, (laughs) let's make it fun. And so I'm the same with chores. And so we just have this, you know, those name, not name jumpers, like a spin wheel. So it's just Uh an app on my phone that they can hear it spin. They can see the spinning and the chores. So they know that I'm not giving them a chore. Right. They can see they have the ownership. They click the button, they spin the wheel and whatever they land on, that's their chore. And Uh so we end up getting three or four chores a week that Uh we actually have to, you know, go and scrub the toilet, scrub everything. And so it takes the pressure off of the parent to know Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That they like, I didn't tell you to do that. The spin mm-hmm. wheel told you to do that. So, yeah. so it's worked for us. It's taken a lot of conflict out of doing right. chores. And yeah. they just know like, okay, get out the spin wheel. Let's get it done. Yeah. yeah. And leaving it on a specific day. Mm-hmm. They know their regular chore. They make their bed in the morning and they have to clean their room. And, you know, if they play a game, they know they just pick up after yourself and mm-hmm. <clears throat> that thing. But like the weekly chores is always done on one day a week. So they know what to expect. Right. Yeah. I love that. So we'll try to have some of those things in our show notes on our podcast link on our favorite journey website so that anybody that has questions on those or tips and the link probably to Farron's blog on finances and chores, we'll have those things in our podcast show notes so that uh, anybody can look that up and see 
especially on that spin wheel app too. If you can share with us oh, yeah. how, yeah. um, how other people might be able to use that. That's a fun tool to do. So can now, I just add something to that too? Yeah. So on the blog and on this, we want to hear other people's tips too. So mm-hmm. not just hearing ours, but like, I know my kids are going to come into their next season and they're gonna be like, that spin wheel is old. I don't yeah. even, you know, I don't want to save it anymore. I don't want to. And I just mm-hmm. want to hear from other people too, to see what right. are your tips for your teenagers for right. saving money and stuff like that. So feel free to leave those in the blog as well. Yeah. And you can find us on favorjourney.com and we're on Facebook and Instagram and all those social media outlets. So you can comment any of those things. Now the next kind of shifting and going on a deeper discussion. What's it like living in an area that this area in the Pacific Northwest where you live is really has low diversity, but being a multicultural mm-hmm. family, what what is that like on a regular basis for you? So for me in this area is home because this is the homeland of my tribe. So I'm home. I can just drive mm-hmm. a couple minutes and there's everybody there. My entire family extended family. So I think it's a little more comfortable for me as opposed to my husband who is African-American and from the East Coast and moving to some little redneck down in Idaho is just completely different for him. But I mean, it has its challenges. We feel like an outsider to a lot of groups. Like you don't feel like you fit in anywhere because your experiences and your background and the historical trauma between different groups of people, it makes it hard to connect with others sometimes. Like I can just say in a lot of meetings, like women's ministry meetings or other things, like I just don't get when people are talking. I just sit there and I'm like, like, why is that important? I have to question everything through this other filter, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything conscious. It's just based on your experience that mm-hmm. everything is just different. And you feel like I can sit in a meeting and see people talking to each other about things that I would never even consider. And for my husband, we're in the Northwest. So they're always talking about hunting and their trucks and Mm -hmm. all these different things. And he's like, I don't fit in with any of that. And then Mm -hmm. a lot of times make the stereotype of um, black people and being athletes to include him in the conversation. It gets very uncomfortable for some people. And they're just Mm -hmm. like, well, how about, you know, and they name some basketball team. And when Travis is like, I don't pay attention to any of that, then they Uh just are at a stand still not even knowing what to ask because like uh-huh. that's all I know and, right. and then it just stops and it gets awkward mm-hmm. well thank you that's been great insight to hear last question I wanted to ask you a little bit on your heart for women you I have seen you be loyal to women over the years and loyal in um, sharing the gospel with them and being in bible studies and small groups with women so what drives you on that why do you just continue to connect with that woman or do the next bible study or you know make that phone call to get a group of women together and study god's word instead of just staying home and being able to cuddle with your kids on the couch and watch like what what is that piece for you that keeps you doing that next study here's my uh here's my non-holy reason is because i have three boys and I am married to a boy. So connecting with women is like, I need some females in my life. And so that's yeah. my, that's mm-hmm. one reason. But also that even with this podcast and everything else and interviewing guests, we have so much to learn still. Right. And, you know, if my great grandma is still, you know, reading the word and still trying to understand it, she's getting new things from the word. Then I'm like, I still need to be doing that. There's right. so much I need to learn. And, and then at the same time, there's 
there's so much I all have already learned that I can be pouring into somebody else. And so mm-hmm. it's that constant refilling, pouring out so that you don't just sit there a full cup, not doing anything, or you're not just sitting there an empty cup, just trying mm-hmm. to go through life alone. So yeah, it's just mm-hmm. being intentional doing that. Yeah. Well, I admire you and I have uh, learned a lot from you. And I know that our listeners are going to be able to learn a lot from you as you share things that God's teaching you. Okay. Well, reach out to us and ask any questions you have. Uh, But thank you for tuning in and we hope that you have a great day. 